Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 8. Matthew's Gospel, Chapter 8. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 4. Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Our Father, we thank you for your holy written word. We can trust our lives to its provisions. We thank you also for ears to hear, hearts that are receptive and minds that are open that we may receive the knowledge of the truth that makes us free. We thank you, dear Father God, for utterance to boldly proclaim the truth and the power of the Spirit, and also for that truth to be enlarged within the hearts of every hearer. We thank you, dear Father God, for our faith to stand not in men's wisdom or human philosophy, but in the power of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you know that every single one of us faces problems in this life, that there's not a human being alive who does not face problems or difficulties. This past week, we attended a conference in Virginia, Hampton, Virginia, and during one of the nights, Sheila Walsh, who of course is the co-host of the 700 Club, began to share her testimony. And at the beginning, she started out by saying that one viewer wrote in and said in a letter to her, Sheila, if I could just have your life or just be like you, I wouldn't have any problems. Everything in my life would be okay. All would be well. And of course, she just began to chuckle because this person had a wrong perspective or a wrong viewpoint of this person's life. She thought because she seemed to be on top of it all on the television broadcast that she had no problems or difficulties in life that she had it all together, and that her life was just a bed of roses. It was just peaches and cream, and no difficulties, no problems, just going through life on flowery beds of ease. No heartache, no suffering, no pain. But little did this person know that was writing in that just three weeks before she received a call to be co-host of the 700 Club, she had just made a decision not to do something that would be rebellion in the sight of God. And that for the pri five years prior to that, her life was just absolutely devastated and being destroyed because of a wrong decision that she was making in her life that was rebelling against the plan of God. And of course, she began to share some other things about her personal testimony that she encountered and the difficult things that she had to overcome 
just to make any advances in the kingdom of God in her own life. So once again, if this person writing in really knew the truth about Sheila Walsh, she would have known that, no, you don't want to be somebody else because seemingly her problems were worse than the one who was writing in. So, beloved, everyone faces problems in life. It doesn't matter what they look like on a television broadcast or how a person looks standing behind a pulpit. Everyone, everyone, everyone say everyone. Everyone faces problems in this life in which we live. No, your problem may not be as the leper. You may not have leprosy. But you may be experiencing financial difficulties right now. Maybe you lost your job. The plant closed down. No work. What are you going to do? It could be that you're having a marital problem. Difficulty in the marital relationship. So that's a problem that you're encountering in life. It could be that you have rebellious children. And sometimes we think, well, we're the only ones with a rebellious child. And that's not true, and you know that's not true. But at that moment, at that time when you're experiencing that and encountering that in your life, you think, am I the only one experiencing this? No, your problem may not be rebellious children, but on the other hand, it might be something like abuse. You experienced abuse in your life along the way somewhere. Maybe as a child, there was sexual abuse or physical abuse by your parents or possibly by a step-parent. People have problems in life. It may not be leprosy, but it might be the fact that right now you're facing criticism on the job. Maybe friends and associates are criticizing you, severely criticizing you, and you don't know how to handle it. You don't know what to do with it, but you're encountering difficulty. You're experiencing criticism. It's a problem that's real, and you're facing it in life. It could be that you've encountered some type of personal difficulty, such as a tragedy where a loved one was lost, maybe due to a car accident or whatever. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe your mate deserted you, left you, and now you're facing life alone. You're by yourself. How do I cope with that? How do I deal with that? I'm having a problem, a difficulty in my life. It may not be leprosy, but it could be a number of other things. And then, of course, what about the lack of direction? Some young people lack direction for their lives, and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle that problem, and so they just go with the flow for a while until finally they realize my life has no direction. But then again, it may very well be the fact that you are encountering a sickness or a disease in your body, just like the leper, and as a result, you don't know what to do. You don't know who to turn to. Well, beloved, make note of this. If we don't learn how to deal with our problems, painful problems, in a constructive way, if we can't handle them constructively, in a constructive manner, in a positive way, then those problems can lead us into a myriad of emotional problems, such as anger. A person is being criticized on the job or among his friends and takes on anger. Now, anger enters into a person's life and he doesn't know what to do with it, doesn't know how to control it. It leads into maybe resentment or bitterness. Yours may not be anger, but your emotional problem may be of another type or of another sort. 
Maybe you're just full of anxiety and worry and frustration. Maybe you're encountering discouragement in your life. In some cases, people find themselves in deep depression and despair because, once again, they're unable to deal constructively with the problems that life throws our way. And you know, Jesus said that the storms of life will come to each and every one of us, did he not? So in that place of despair and maybe deep depression, there is guilt, irritability, and all sorts of other emotional problems that one can encounter in life. And once again, if we can't handle them properly, what's the next step? What takes place after that? Well, some people actually get to a place in their lives where they turn to alcohol as a way of escape. To escape the reality of their problems. A sort of dependency to depend upon that so as to help them along the way. Some, of course, will turn to drugs and feel that's the solution to my problem. That's the way for me to go. Others turn to other vices because you have to hold on to something, don't you? Well, maybe some don't do that. And the way they handle their problems is a little bit different. They withdraw from social activity and social contact. They keep their problem to themselves and it eats away inside their spirit. Finally, they are overcome by an excessive spirit of criticism, self-criticism, low self-esteem, and sometimes criticism toward others. They find themselves in a depressed state. They're overcome emotionally and they're being held captive and in bondage to self-pity and excessive self-criticism. That may not be you. Maybe you're like the next person that just cannot handle it at all. And so you get to the place or point in your life that you begin to experience an emotional and mental breakdown. I have an uncle who spent the better part of his life in, in and out of state institutions and mental health centers because he was unable to cope with the problems that he faced in life. He didn't know how to constructively handle the problems that he faced in life and for the past 40 years, he has spent the majority of his life in and out of state institutions and mental health centers. It's not a good way to live. That may not be you. You may be the next person. Because you don't know how to deal properly or constructively with your problems, you finally get to a place that you're overcome by all these emotions and you feel your life is not worth living. And you open up yourself to a spirit of suicide, a suicidal spirit. And you attempt to take your life because you feel as though it's not worth living. Before I go any further, I want you to hold your place right there and turn with me, if you would, please, to Psalms 119. I'm going to give you a different translation. It's from the Living Bible. Psalms 119, verses 18 and 19. If you find that any of this pertains to your life or you can relate to it, you can say that I've been there. I want you to note that this scripture is for you. It's for all of us. But in particular, if you are in that place where you're overcome in your emotions, before you get to a place where you turn to alcohol or turn to drugs or other vices to sustain you, before you get to the place that you withdraw from all social activity, within yourself, apart from other people, isolating yourself, separating yourself, 
and then living with your own self-pity and excessive self-criticism and then finding fault with other people and criticizing them. Before you get to that place that you just can't handle it, you just can't live this way any longer and you find emotional upheaval so severe that you're about to have a mental breakdown or, or emotional breakdown. And most importantly, before you ever get to that place where you would consider taking your life because it's not meaningful. Listen to what the psalmist said in verses 18 and 19. I'm reading from the King James. It says this, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. In the Living Bible, it says it this way, Open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. I am but a pilgrim here on earth. How? I need a map, and your commandments are my chart and guide. In other words, your law, your laws will chart my life and guide me in life. Lord, open up my eyes so that I may be able to behold and see the spiritual laws that you have laid down and set forth for life so that my life can be ordered by those laws. We cannot pray that prayer for one another as such. We must pray that prayer to God for ourselves. Lord, open up my eyes that I may be able to productively deal with the problems that I encounter in this life. Because I'm but a pilgrim here upon this earth. I need to know your advice. I need to know your wisdom and your counsel. I need to seek your way. I need to follow your commands, your instructional teachings. That I may know the way that I should go. Lest I be overcome. And destroyed, devastated, physically, emotionally, and of course, ultimately would be spiritually. Turn on back to Matthew chapter 8. But before we read or study any further, let's just say this together, can we? Open my eyes, Lord, that I may see wonderful things in your word. I need a map. And your commands are my chart and guide. Let that be the prayer of your heart today. That your eyes, that my eyes would be open, that we may further see how we can act upon the laws and the commands of our God. His instructional teaching and spiritual laws for our lives so that we can, as I said, rise up above the problems that we encounter before the problems that we encounter lead us into emotional distress and upheaval and that we cannot overcome. When problems arise, beloved, each and every one of us needs a problem solver. You agree to that? And our eyes need to be opened up to the fact that Jesus Christ is God's original problem solver. He is the one that wants to remove the mountains. He's the one that wants to fill the valleys. He wants to make straight paths for us to walk in and plains. How? By straightening out our difficulties and our problems that we encounter in life. That's what He wants to do. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He has come to this earth. He has revealed the Father's heart to us. He has shared with us spiritual truth and principles upon which we can build our lives. The right way to live. The right way to react and respond when we encounter difficulties and storms in life. Jesus is God's original problem solver. We need to know Him personally, intimately. And look to Him in our time of need, because if not, we'll be looking to other things to help us along the way. Well, beloved, this leper was physically sick. But I wonder how many of us really recognize the fact that this leper was also emotionally disturbed. 
See, very often we just focus in on one side of it and we emphasize the healing power of God to bring deliverance to the human body. But what about the human emotion? What about the healing of the human emotion that's been devastated? I mean, just absolutely torn apart because of the problems and the difficulties or the tragedies that we encounter in life. Where is their help? Must one turn to alcohol? Must one turn to drugs and other vices for help? Must one cave in under the pressure and have an emotional or mental breakdown? Be driven to the place of attempted suicide because of the emotional upheaval that is so severe. Beloved, I want you to know that there is healing power here today, not only to heal the physical body, but also to restore the human emotion. I want you to know that. And no matter what hurt we have encountered in life, God's power is more than enough to meet the task. I want you to listen as I begin to expound upon what took place here. The leper was not only sick with a physical condition, he was also emotionally distraught. His problem could not be resolved with human hands. Man had no cure. His condition was incurable. And therefore, as a result of his sickness, he was being destroyed emotionally. How do you know? Well... If you would, keep your bookmarker there. Go on back to Leviticus chapter 13. And let's just take a moment to look at what the law said with regard to a leper. In Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare. He shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. The covering upon his upper lip meant it was the taste of death. He was walking around as a living dead person. And all the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. Now turn on back to Matthew there. And I'd like to read to you from Smith's Bible Dictionary, page 357, with regard to the leprosy and its being a type of sin. Because this is the true condition of this man. Not only is he physically hurt, this man is emotionally hurt. And he's in a terrible way. Leprosy is a type of sin. And it says, being the worst form of disease... Leprosy was fixed upon by God to be the especial type of sin and the injunctions regarding it had reference to its typical character. It was, number one, hereditary. Number two, contagious. Number three, er ever tending to increase. Number four, incurable except by the power of God. Number five, a shame and disgrace. Number six, rendering one alone in the world. Number seven, deforming unclean. And number eight, separating the soul from God, producing spiritual death, unfitting it forever for heaven and the company of the holy, and ensuring its eternal banishment as polluted and abominable. 
How would you like to be that, your, that condition to be yours? How would you like that condition to be your condition? When this man came to Jesus, all this was inside him. If you just go back to the very beginning, you'll find out here is a man, probably a middle-aged man, could have been a young person, I don't know, when he contracted a disease. But he was off to work one day. He may have been working in a marketplace or in the field. And, of course, he came home one night and saw a few spots or marks on his body. Now, there were many skin diseases in that day, many curable, many would just go away. And he didn't think anything of it. Talking with his wife that night, he probably just said, well, look at these, you know, marks like we would do. I've got on my body. And as a man would, well, no concern, nothing to be concerned about, forget about it, everything will be okay tomorrow. Got off and went to work the next day and went about his business and chores, came home the next day and found out that he had a few more spots. And after a period of time had gone by, he found out that he was getting worse. So he had no choice. He had to go finally to the doctor. Now, in those days, the doctor was the priest. And so he found himself going to the priest to find out what his problem was. And they would diagnose whether or not it was an incurable thing or, or a contagious thing. And so he goes there, presents himself to the priest for observation, and he has to stay. Now, he left and told his wife and kids, you know, honey, I'll be back in a little while. It won't be very long. I'll just go and have myself looked over, and I'll be back, and I'll see you and the kids again. You know, mind everything here around the house and take care of everything. You know, daddy will be back. Well, he never came back. Because, you see, once it was diagnosed, and once they found out that the man had leprosy, he was isolated. He was not allowed, once again, to involve himself in any social activity. As a matter of fact, no one was allowed to talk to him, and no one was really allowed to touch him. He wasn't allowed to get involved in any conversation or, or, or talk with people or, or walk up to somebody like on, on a street like you would. He had to dwell alone, the Scripture said. He was alone in the world, by himself, an outcast, rejected of God, rejected of man. In a condition of spiritual death, total rejection. You have no help. You have no hope. You're in complete despair. You're on the outside looking in. You're not a part of anything that God has in His program. You're on the outs. He never came back home to his family. All was lost. Can you imagine that? He's unclean. If he actually looked inside someone's house, the whole house was considered to be entirely unclean. A walking plague and menace to society. An outcast of God, totally rejected. See, there are different types of, of leprosy. In the physical realm, as it began in the body, some types would take a life within a period of nine years. Other types, it would take between 20 and 30 years for the person to finally die. Physically speaking, of course, he was in pain. There was a loss of sensation. He couldn't have any feeling like in his fingertips or toes or other parts of his body. His tendons would begin to contract and then he would have ulcers begin to form throughout the body. Now, I'll give you two thoughts here. On one hand, we are told that it would finally get to the place that parts of his body would begin to fall off. Like his fingertips would just begin to fall off. His toes would begin to fall off of the body. 
And on the other hand, some say that it's not just the leprosy that causes the body parts to fall off. It's due to the fact that the person has no feeling or sensation. And therefore, when they're just lying down sleeping, the rats come and just begin to gnaw away at the body parts. They have no feeling. They can't feel anything. This is the man's physical dilemma. And according to Luke, we are told the man was full of leprosy. In other words, he was in his final stages. So it could have been anywhere up to nine years or anywhere up to 20 to 30 years that he was in this condition because he was full of leprosy in its final stages. But what about emotionally? Can you imagine this man having no more hugs or kisses from his wife or children, being denied that contact that is so much needed? Can you imagine that? I can only imagine being a part as I was this week from my family, from my children, Never, ever again being allowed to hug my child or hug my wife or give a kiss to any of them. Never again being allowed to come and assemble myself together in a place like this and begin to worship God with the saints. Because he was an outcast. He was not entitled to public worship. He was unclean. Can you imagine what wages, the war that wages against the mind when a man has no social contact whatsoever and he cannot touch another human being? He had to keep the ceremonial law, the distance law, and stay away from people and cry out, I'm unclean, if anyone gets near him to protect those people from the disease. Can you imagine the effect it has upon the mind of a man that realizes he is totally rejected. Not just a man. Can't touch his family. Not even God accepts him. He's an outcast. Think about that for one year, two years, three years, four years to go by. Alone in the world. He never came back to his family. There is no hope of recovery. I want you to note that this Jesus, this, this leper rather, did exactly what Jesus told every single one of us to do in order to overcome the problems that we can face in life, whether they be physical or emotional. Please listen carefully. This man did what Jesus told all of us to do with regard to overcoming the problems that we face in life. Whether they're physical problems or emotional difficulties, God has a way of escape. There are things that we can do. This man did what Jesus told him to do. You say, I don't understand that. Well, you notice that Matthew 8 is right after Matthew 7. In Matthew 7, the Bible says that Jesus taught the greatest sermon ever taught. The Sermon on the Mount. On the, on the Mount. He exposed the very heart of the Father God and laid down principles that we can live by. And at the end of his message, he concluded by saying that here is a wise man who hears my sayings. He comes to me. He looks to me. He digs deep into my word, lays the foundation upon his life, upon solid ground. And then acts upon my word. Just as the writers would write a script, the man reads the script and begins to act upon. He acts out the script, does exactly what he was told to do. That's what this leper did. I want you to notice in verse 1, when he was come down from the mountain, he just taught, as I said, the greatest sermon. Great multitudes followed him, and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying. Now, in the Greek, the word worship, it's bowed down. He bowed down before the Lord Jesus. Now, you have to imagine this, and if I 
may, let me call upon you to use your imagination with me, maybe your creativeness, as I begin to narrate what could have taken place. I'm not saying this is absolutely the way it took place, but what could have taken place. I believe there's room for that as we look to the Word of God, because one can only really imagine all the steps that took place leading up to this point. These people are coming down from the mountain, and Jesus just taught the most marvelous sermon you have ever heard. But he said, now don't just wind up as hearers of my word. He said, be the doer of the word. I have written the script. Now you act it out. If you'll act it out, he said, then when the storms of life come, you will not be the devastated one. You'll rise up above it and you'll be the conquering one. You'll be the overcomer. And the wise man will do it. The leper comes to him. He bows down. If he kept the law whatsoever, when he got near, he just cried out, unclean, unclean. And when he did, can you imagine those multitudes that were huddled around the man of the hour, the Lord Jesus Christ, just huddled around him, and this man comes crying out, unclean, unclean. Whew. I mean, everybody took off in another direction as fast as their feet could carry them. And Jesus stood alone. They were at a distance, a safe distance, where the wind could not blow at a safe distance. Jesus did not move. Now, let's stop right there for a moment, and I want to ask you this question. How did this man hear of Jesus? How did he know about Jesus? Why was he there presenting himself to Jesus? Another question. How did he know that if he would, Jesus could heal him? How did he know that Jesus could heal him? See, then I began to think, the Bible says back there in Matthew 3 and 4, it talks about how Jesus went about doing all these marvelous works in the cities. And there spread... Brought about him in every region round about as he healed the sick, caused the lame to walk, the deaf to hear. Those taken with palsy were made whole. And also, those that were lunatic were delivered and set free and brought back into the right mind. Now listen. Maybe he was forsaken of all. He thought he was God forsaken, but he really wasn't. It was only something that they thought about, that they thought that leprosy represented. He may have been forsaken of all of his friends because they don't want to get near him. And, you know, when you really can't get close to somebody anymore, do you really spend the time to go out and visit them where they're at isolated by themselves? And, you know, there's always a chance the wind might blow and you'll get leprosy. And so you're not going to get near this fellow, are you? How did he know? How could he get close enough to hear? How did he know about all these marvelous things? How could he know that God, that Jesus could heal him? And then the thought comes. Forsaken of all... His wife still loved him. His kids loved him. Probably the only ones that ever went to him to take food to him, to leave it at a distance and then back off so he can get his food and eat. See, they loved him. Oh, I cannot tell you the importance of knowing that your wife and children, that your husband and children love you. Because when everybody else, young people out there, listen also, your family loves you. You may think they're not looking out for your best interest, but they love you. And when everybody else forsakes you, your friends that you thought were friends, when they forsake you and they go their own way and do their own thing, and when they've used you, abused you, and taken from you all that they can, they'll leave you. But you know what? Your family loves you. 
your family loves you. I would venture to say that his wife and children probably were at a Jesus meeting. They may have been in the synagogue. They may have been right there. They heard about the works that Jesus had done and was doing. And they probably just went to one of the meetings and saw with their own two eyes. His wife saw, look, this man was lunatic. Look, this man couldn't walk. Look, this man was maimed. He made him whole. Look, all the marvelous miracles that are taking place. And he, she went with the children back to her husband and their father and said, honey, you know what? I brought you more than food today. And she began to cry out about this man. We've seen the Messiah. We believe that He is the Son of God. He has come. He's doing miracles. Hard for anyone to believe. A man has never spoke like this man speaks. A man has never done the things that this man is doing. We want you to know there is hope. All these years have gone by. He's in a state of emotional upheaval and torment. He believes he's on his way to eternal damnation and destruction. He believes he's an outcast of God. He can't get near people. He's alone in the world by himself. All of a sudden, a new hope rises up on the inside of him. Because his wife cared and his children cared. Can you imagine the new hope? See, faith is the substance of the thing you hope for. Just the very thought, I can hug you once again, honey. Kids, I can take you into my arms and kiss you once again. Oh, I've I, I missed that feeling and sensation that I get from just knowing that you care. It's one thing to say it, but when you hug your wife, when you hug your children, there's feeling that goes along with it. And in all honesty, if you're any type of a loving parent, you know that when that child hugs you, that hug is worth 10,000 words. And so the fellow collected his thoughts. He thought, could this possibly be true? Obviously, if he did all these different things, he can heal me also. And he pulled himself together. And he began to pursue. He went after Jesus. He did what Jesus told every human being to do. You say, but I don't know that I have the faith that that man had. Look, friends, he did what he could do. And the mercy of God took over from there. God's compassion took over from there. He acted on what faith he had. What faith did he have? He heard that Jesus was healing all people that came to him. So what faith did he have? He said his faith, you could, you can heal me. Did he say that? He didn't know if he would, but he knew he could. And so he used the faith that he had. He said, look, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst. Make me whole. You can heal me. I don't doubt the power of God. I don't doubt your healing abilities. I know you can. And that was the faith that the man had. Everybody else backs off. Jesus stands there. He violates the Jewish ceremonial law and the distance law. He gets near. To touch a dead man was the worst thing you could do in those days. To touch a leper was the second worst thing you could do in those days. What did Jesus do? He responds by saying, I will. I will. He puts forth his hand and touches him. Look at verse 3. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. Do you see? Can you imagine? Jesus is now violating the Jewish ceremonial law. He is violating the, the law of distance. You mean God doesn't care? God does care. God does love. Jesus was concerned. He wasn't concerned about his own well-being. He was not afraid of, of contracting leprosy. No concern about it whatsoever. 
The man came with what faith he had. This man started a trend, beloved. After he came, after he went and told others, ten other lepers came to him. Remember that story? And who knows, countless others came to him and were cleansed of their leprosy. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. And when he touched him, can you imagine as the power of God began to flow out from Jesus into this man's body, not only was this man cleansed. Now, there's a difference between healing and cleansing. To heal someone means to cancel out the sickness or the disease. To come against it, to, to just absolutely cancel it. It's affected its power over a person's life. But to cleanse means total restoration. It means that when Jesus touched this man, not only was his body healed, it was also totally restored. And whatever parts of his body that were eaten away, whether from the rats or from the leprosy, they came back. The nose, the fingertips, the fingers, the toes. And are you ready for it? And his emotions. There was also the power of God that was manifested that brought healing inwardly. This man's emotions were also contacted by the power of the living God. There was a surgence of power that went through this man that brought total restoration to him in every department of his being. And you would think now at this time, well, this man now can go back to his family. No, he can't. Jesus said to the man, Go thy way, see thou tell no man, but show thyself to the priest. He could not go right at that point in time to his family and love them and, and hug them and visit with them and talk with them like he wanted to. He couldn't do that. He had to then go and show himself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded. If you go back to Leviticus 14 and read through all that, you'll find out what a leper had to be, what had to be, happen to a leper if he was cleansed and pronounced cleansed. He had to be pronounced cleansed by the priest. And then there were gifts. There were offerings. There were sacrifices that were being made. And I want you to see something here. If you'll read through all that, I don't have time to get into it, but if you'll read through all that, you will discover this, that in that process in which this man was being pronounced cleansed from leprosy, he was also being affected in his emotional realm. Because as he went through the ceremony once again, it was showing him in the natural realm that you are now accepted of God. God accepts your sacrifice. You're pure and clean before God Almighty. And a sacrifice was offered on his behalf unto the Father God Almighty for cleansing him and healing him of this leprosy. And so in this process, this man was totally restored in physical body and also totally restored emotionally. He's accepted of God once again and it removes all that emotional hurt. And then he goes back to his family, to his wife and to his children. And you know what that would do for his emotions, don't you? He's restored once again. You see, beloved, we have that same word in 1 John 1, 9 that says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and what? See, cleansing involves the whole total process. And what it means is not only is our spirit affected by it, but our emotions, the soulish part of man. That's why there's no condemnation, because He cleanses us. He removes the, the effect of sin and also the consequence of the sin. He cleanses us. This leper was totally 
completely made whole, cleansed, restored in his body, and also restored in his emotions, and now he is free to take an active role in society, to go back and work and provide for his family and to love his wife and do all the things that a man wants to do in this realm of life. Beloved, if you're hurting out there right now and, and there are problems that you've encountered and faced in life, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, I also had the opportunity to share with another individual there. We sat together at the table while we were having supper one night. And this particular fellow was a former psychiatrist. And he dealt with a lot of people. And he came to a place in his own life that he knew that there were no solutions and, and no answers to the problems of life. He himself encountered difficulties and problems in his own life. And he couldn't overcome them. Finally, he got saved. Finally, he came to Jesus. Finally, he got filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And as a former psychiatrist and psychologist, we began to share and he began to give me his viewpoint. And he said to me, I see too much Christian psychology today. I see too many turning over to the human psyche to try to get their needs met in the emotional realm. He said the, the, the psychiatrist is only concerned about one thing, the psychologist, and that is produce happiness inside that person's life at any cost. doesn't matter how he gets it, as long as he gets happy. To make him feel good about life once again, it doesn't matter if it means to get a divorce, then get a divorce. There are no laws or rules or regulations with regard to the Word of God and the will of God. All that is out. They view life only from the human perspective and the human psyche totally. If it's going to make you feel good, then go ahead and do it. If it's going to help you make you feel happy just for the moment, do it. And that's what their objective is, to make a person feel happy for the moment. If they've done it, they've succeeded. It doesn't matter if it violates the law and the will of God. But little do they know that as a result, there's going to be more unhappiness. Because when a person is not lining up with God, there's an emptiness on the inside, a void that can only be filled by the power of the living God. And eventually that person will be back on their faces again in despair. He says, I've come to recognize and realize that there's only one way a person can be helped out of their emotional upheaval. He says, that is through the Word and the power of the living God. The Word of God being quickened by the power of the living God coming together, jointly working together to drive out and overcome those problems. It requires a working of God's Word and Spirit together, the combination of the two, to enable one to rise up above those emotional problems. And I couldn't agree with him more heartily. I said, you've got that right. That's absolutely true. What people need, beloved, is the touch of God. What people need today is the power of God in their lives. They need the power of God to come into vital contact and connection with their emotions so that they can be delivered and set free by the power of the living God. And then they need to do exactly what that leper did. Choose to walk in the way of God. Choose to live by the command of God. To chart their lives according to God's blueprint, design, plan, as He has mapped it out for them. To live by spiritual laws. And if we'll do that, beloved, then we'll remain free in our emotions. Beloved, it does not take forever to get somebody free. Free. So many think we've got to go through this process of deliverance and it takes time and time and time and time and time. Beloved, when I step on an ant, it doesn't say I'm going to die next week. It dies now. When you cast out a devil, it's got to go now. Not a week later. Now. See, the problem is, are we operating in the power of God? Jesus is the same today for everyone. 
And I know in my heart, not only does he want to produce the power that, that heals the body, he also wants to have his power manifested in such a way that even the human emotion is set free by his mighty power. If we have scars in our lives and hurts in our lives because of, of things that have happened, God wants to manifest His power in a glorious way to bind up the wounds. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me. We need to let people know that that same anointing is available to us today. We need to know that that same dunamis, that same miracle working power is available to us today. And we need to learn how to bring people into vital contact with that power so that they can be free and made whole and totally restored. Beloved, we can do it. I know that. And if you're out there today, as I said, that power is available to you right now. That same power is here right now. And the same way, do you see all that was involved? Or do you see how this man's life was totally transformed and changed? Do you see what Jesus did? We just see he was healed from leprosy. Oh, dear God, there's so much more than that. Can you see that? This man was a nothing and a nobody, but Jesus made him whole and restored once again. Let's all stand before the Lord. Take your problem to Jesus. Jesus is God's original problem solver. Cry out out of the depth of your heart and say, Lord, open up my eyes to wonderful things in your word. Chart the course of my life that I may be led by your holy commandments and spiritual laws. Open up mine eyes that I may see and behold wonderful things and truths out of your word. That I may act upon those truths that the course of my life would be properly charted. And beloved, if we'll do exactly what that leper did, he wasn't concerned about ceremonial law. He wasn't concerned about Jewish laws. He was concerned about being restored to wholeness once again. He was concerned about being a person that God would have him to be, to function as a human being should function, not living the rest of his life alone in the world, but being whole. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.